I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. There is one mistake that I see leaders make over and over. It's often made by relatively new leaders who don't have a lot of experience, but I've also seen the same mistake made by those who've been in leadership roles for years and years. This mistake is off-putting to those who are on the receiving end of it, and it backfires more often than not. What is this mistake, you ask? It is being, or trying to be, the smartest person in the room. Yes, you heard me right. The best leaders are not those who are or are trying to be perceived as the smartest person in the room. The best leaders surround themselves with people who know things that they don't know. You may have even heard the saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Truly, my friends, truly. I've seen MBAs and PhDs make this mistake. I've also seen those with barely a high school education make this mistake. As a leader, being the smartest person in the room or thinking or acting like you are is just about the dumbest thing that you can do. So why is this a problem? Well, as you move higher up on the organizational chart into leadership positions, you simply don't have the capacity to stay on top of the subject matter expertise that it took to get you there. You just don't. And so you need to surround yourself with people who are the smartest person in the room, and you need to instead hone your leadership skills. So why does this happen? Why do leaders try to be the smartest person in the room? Well, the reason it happens a lot with new leaders is that they might actually have been the smartest person in the room, maybe for a long time in their previous role. They might have had deep subject matter expertise that they used as organizational currency to influence others, and that's what got them ahead. But now, as a leader, they need to rely on other skills, not merely their knowledge. In fact, they need to grow their leadership capacity, their communication capacity, and then they need to surround themselves with the brilliant people who are now the smartest people in the room and get the most out of those brilliant people. Now, why does this happen to leaders who have more experience? Maybe you're thinking, sure, I can completely understand the new leader, but why does this happen to leaders who have a depth of experience leading others or teams or projects? Well, in short, It's their ego. Their ego is remembering that what got them there was that they were the smartest or had the best ideas or in some capacity excelled. And sometimes you misplace experience and knowledge that you have in one area, thinking that it's applicable to another area. And as a result, you have confidence in an area that you have no place having confidence in. In fact, there's a name for this. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. 
The effect was first described by psychologists David Dunning and Justin Kruger in 1999 based on their research at Cornell University. Now, the Dunning-Kruger effect refers to the tendency of people with low ability or knowledge in a particular area to overestimate their competence and believe that they're more skilled or more knowledgeable than they actually are in a different area. So let's say, for example, that there's a person, we'll call him Ted. He led a particularly successful product launch in one area of the business that he works for, and then he got a promotion or a transfer into another part of the business. So let's say, for example, it's a business that makes bicycles. Now, Ted very successfully ran the launch of a new line of tricycles, and it was very profitable for the business. Now, he's in the elite athlete division, working on a new launch of cycles that are aimed at triathletes. Now, if Ted is afflicted by the Dunning-Kruger effect, basically that he lacks experience or competence in the specific area of launching a line of bikes to triathletes, and he mistakenly thinks that what he knows about launching trikes will apply here, well then, he's exhibiting low self-awareness as part of the Dunning-Kruger effect. He has an inflated sense of his own abilities, and he perceives himself to be more confident than others perceive him to be, and certainly more competent than he actually is. So Dunning and Kruger explain that the effect arises from a combination of factors. Individuals may lack the necessary skills to recognize their own errors or limitations. And additionally, they may not possess the knowledge or understanding required to accurately assess the complexity of a task, leading to an unwarranted confidence in their abilities. Just like if Ted thinks that everything he knows about launching tricycles who, when you think about it, the consumer audience for tricycles is parents of toddlers, potentially a very different audience than the people who are going to be purchasing bikes that are designed for triathletes. So again, in this Dunning and Kruger effect, people who are experiencing that as a result may make poor decisions, they might exhibit overconfidence, and they certainly will be overlooking their own incompetence or shortcomings. So essentially, they think of themselves as the smartest person in the room when clearly they are not. So what are the outcomes of thinking that you're the smartest person in the room, whether you are or not? And probably you shouldn't be if you are. Well, first of all, you can be wrong and not have the self-awareness to realize that you're wrong, like in the Dunning-Kruger effect. Another outcome would be that if you outrank others because you're their leader or maybe their positional leader, their boss, it's likely that they won't be able to effectively tell you that you're wrong. Now, it might be that there's just not a trusting relationship there for them to be able to tell you. It might be that you have insisted that you were right so many times that they don't even bother, or it might be the case that there just isn't a psychologically safe enough environment for them to be straight with you and tell you that you're wrong. Another thing that will happen as a result of this is that the decisions and the outcomes that you make or that your team together makes are limited in their innovation, their accuracy, and in bringing the latest information to the table because you were either afraid to ask or they were afraid to tell you. And as a result of that, you're putting your organization and your team at risk for making bad decisions. And finally, and this is the worst part, ultimately, your reputation as a leader suffers. 
Your credibility with others is diminished because you don't listen to the other ideas in the room and you mistakenly think that you are the smartest person in the room. So what should you do instead? Well, if you're a leader with formal authority, that is, others report to you and you are managing and leading the work of others, first and foremost, hire people who are smarter than you. The most talented, the most cutting edge, the ones who have the subject matter expertise to really take things to the next level. And don't feel threatened by hiring them. That's one of the big mistakes that people in leadership positions make in continuing to keep themselves as the smartest person in the room is because they feel threatened by the knowledge and expertise of others. But the very best leaders surround themselves with super smart people who can think and imagine in ways that they can't. And that's a big part of what makes great leaders great leaders. So you want to be able to get people who on projects who are smarter than you. Find people who have the most up-to-date, most useful perspectives and get them involved with your initiatives. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Now, if you're not a leader with formal authority, you're not somebody who hires and fires, you're not somebody who supervises the work of others, then I would call you a leader with informal authority. You're the kind of leader that I refer to as a leader with a lowercase l as opposed to a capital L. Maybe you manage projects or you're a team lead. Or maybe you're just an influential person in the organization, but you don't write up anyone's performance reviews, you don't hire and fire. But yet, you have influence and you lead from the side. This is one of my favorite types of leaders. If that's you, you can also be looking to bring new perspectives or initiatives to a project. You also don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So talk to people who do have that formal authority. And if you are someone with informal authority, that leader with the lowercase l, it should be pretty easy for you to get their ear because you're already leading from the side. And you can use your influence to convince them to bring new voices to the table so that you're not the smartest person in the room and so that they are not the smartest person in the room either. Now, if you happen to be somebody who's a little bit caught off guard in this episode and you're recognizing yourself, maybe not all the time, but even just sometimes, being the smartest person in the room or trying to be the smartest person in the room or thinking that you should be the smartest person in the room, then I've got some ideas for you. If you've been attempting to maintain that position as the smartest person in the room, here are a few things to remind yourself of. Number one, remember that this is a natural growing pain in your leadership journey. 
you probably were the smartest person in the room on a bunch of things. But as the old saying goes, and this is also the title of one of Marshall Goldsmith's books, quote, what got you here won't get you there. You're in need of a new set of skills to be the best leader that you can become. And not being the smartest person in the room is admirable. In fact, it probably means you've been promoted. So that's your first idea. Remember that this is a natural growing pain on your leadership journey. Number two, swap being the smartest person in the room for humility. Leaders who have a measure of humility will admit when they're wrong. And that garners respect from followers, by the way, huge respect when a leader can be confident enough to admit that they were wrong and own their mistakes. Now, when you swap being the smartest person in the room with humility, that also means that you're going to defer to the subject matter expertise of the subject matter experts who are in the room. And in fact, this will make you wrong less often. How about that? So number two is swap being the smartest person in the room with a good dose of humility. Number three, ask yourself with total honesty, how much do I really know about what's happening in this room or in this conversation or in Ted's case, this product launch? Ask yourself what related knowledge or experience you have, and whether or not it is truly relevant or as relevant as you think it is. And if you're not sure, ask someone else who's involved in the project. Or if you're not comfortable doing that, ask an outside mentor or coach for their perspective and be completely straight with them. And finally, number four, to be an effective leader who is not the smartest person in the room Think of yourself as a horse whisperer. A horse whisperer is a horse trainer who can work with these incredible, powerful animals and communicate with them in subtle and deep levels to get them in line. The horse whisperer is a master of psychology who takes into consideration the needs, the motives, and the desires of the horse and brings out the best in the horse, all in service to what you, the horse whisperer, wants the horse to do. So as a leader, you have, or you should have, all of these wild horses, these brilliant people who are the smartest ones in the room at your disposal. And you need to channel their brilliance towards solving the problems at hand. So number four, be a horse whisperer with all of the smartest people in the room. Okay, my friends, remember, if you are the smartest person in the room, you are probably in the wrong room. And if you're in the right room and you still think that you're the smartest person in the room, there is a really good chance that you are the only one who thinks that. You might be suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect, having an inflated sense of your own abilities and perceiving yourself as more competent than others. You might need to give a re-listen to this episode to really let it sink in. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to this content and you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and knock that little bell so that you get notified every time there's a new episode out. 
I'm also starting to make some other videos on YouTube as well. So even if you're listening on a podcast player, you're going to want to head over to YouTube and subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. And you'll find me at youtube.com forward slash Janelle Anderson, PhD. Wherever you're listening or watching, please leave me a review if reviews are an option on your player. It helps other listeners find me and the show, and it just plain all makes me feel good. And it will make you feel good too, because you made me feel good. (laughs) All right, my friends, until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.